Welcome to Anything But Routine. Today on the podcast, we have a, a rebroadcast of one of our favorite podcasts, actually, called 5678. Allie Garretts was interviewed on there and talked about her journey through dance. And now to the podcast. I'm Alexandra Efimova, and over the past 21 years, I have founded a successful dancewear brand, published several books, traveled worldwide, and continue to build bridges between cultures through speaking engagements and community events. This podcast is about being on the move towards your goals, overcoming physical and mental challenges, choosing role models, and conquering fears and failures. Welcome to 5678, the podcast for people on the move. You can get to where you want to get if you work hard for it. And it's that cliche saying, but it's my favorite, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. This week in the podcast, I speak with Ali Garrett, a professional dancer, choreographer, expert dance instructor, and designer for Just for Kicks a youth dance apparel and training company that we covered in episode 48 of the podcast. We love that company and so excited to be interviewing her on the show. In her current position, Ellie helps support the network of over 22,000 dancers across 14 different states. Truly remarkable. She is also currently an assistant coach of the Brian Nerd Warrior Dance Team, the Kicksters, based out of Minnesota. Ali's dance resume is extensive, including some high-profile work with the National Football League. She danced in a 2011 Super Bowl with a black IP and performed there once again two years later with Beyonce. In 2015, Ali helped choreograph both the opening of the NFL kickoff and the Super Bowl halftime show featuring Katy Perry. She also choreographed 2016 Super Bowl halftime show featuring Coldplay, Bruno Mars, and Beyonce. And in 2018, halftime show featuring Justin Timberlake. What a star! I enjoyed digging into her journey, and I know you will too. So without further ado, here's my chat with Ellie. So great to interview you. I had such a fantastic interview with Cindy. Yes, that's what she said. And um, your whole company, your family business, what you do for the dance community nationwide is absolutely extraordinary. So I'm thrilled to interview one more family member and one more leader in the organization of Just for Kicks. Thank you. So you are a professional dancer, choreographer, expert dance instructor and designer for Just for Kicks. Yes, correct. So it combines what sounds like your passion, your education, your career, all in this one fantastic, uh, I would say, career path. So tell us about your role in Just for Kicks. And um, maybe for our listeners who did not listen to the first interview with Cindy, tell us uh, Just for Kicks because it has so many multifaceted areas to it. Yeah, so Just for Kicks, my parents actually started it in 1981. 
And they started it in the basement of their home. And it kind of just snowballed into what it is now. I don't think their intention was ever to make the company what it is. It just everything kind of happened for a reason. So they would add a costume catalog when they realized they needed it for their youth programs and so on and so forth. Um, but Just for Kicks has many different sides to it. So we do have the mail order business, which is catalog and clothing and costumes. Um, then we have our youth program side, which is such a huge part of our company. We have over, I think over 25,000 dancers nationwide with Just for Kicks, um, over 200 programs. So in different areas of the U.S. And we have our camp side of it. So we do camps all summer long, which I love doing camps and that's a big part of our company as well. And then we also do an Outback Bowl tour and a New York tour, which is all put on hold, obviously, this year with everything going on. Um, we run our own competitions for all of our youth programs. So that's another huge part of what we do. I think that's kind of everything. <laughs> you think that's enough? <laughs> yeah, right? There's so many different parts of it. When people are like, what is Just for Kicks? Um, well, it's so many things. And I kind of feel that same way when people ask me what I do like as my job, I'm like, I now normally just say I'm a dance teacher because it's the easiest thing to say because I do so many random different things throughout the day that that's an easy answer to it. But yeah, I, I teach, I, for a long time was a pattern maker and did costume designing that way. I've kind of stepped away from that a little bit. Um, so I'm not doing that as much anymore, but I loved doing that. And I actually, I never went to school for pattern making, but I was trained by a lady that came and personally trained me for about a year on a whole software for making costumes and patterns. So I kind of had at home school for it, I guess I would say, or personal training on that. And that was super cool. So I did that for like five years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm involved in so many different things, camps, Outback Bowl, youth programs. How many dancers, students, and how many instructors are part of the Just for Kicks? I think there's about 25,000 students. Um, nationwide. And then I think we have about 200, 250 directors. Yeah. So people running the programs and then they also have head instructors and teachers under them, but I'm not even sure the number that we have of that. And uh, how are you running the dance program now? Is it all on Zoom? How did you have to make some changes or you're kind of slowly going back to the normal class uh, routines? Yeah, we are trying to go back to normal right now. So we over the summer, we actually did some outdoor classes in our parking lot, which was actually super fun. So some of our, our high school dance team that we also coach, um, we had some dads that volunteered their time to make boards. So we had like six by six boards that they made with flooring on them so the kids could turn. So we've been practicing six feet apart with these boards out in the parking lot. And um, it was actually kind of fun because in Minnesota, where we live, it's only nice for like three months of the year or whatever. Um, so it was fun to be able to be outside that we said we maybe will actually do that in future summers once in a while too, to just be outdoors and practice now that we know we can practice in the parking lot. So we were doing that kind of all summer and we actually just for our local studio, um, just had our auditions last week and we did do that indoors and now we'll be kind of transitioning. We start back up in a couple weeks and are going back to indoor class. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so dance 
is about change, running a business about change, and uh, really our everything that happens in life. The only constant in life is change. Talk to us about the evolution of your role in our organization. I presume you started in one of the dance classes that uh, one of the teachers taught and now raised, um, uh, grow your way up to the executive position. What and how that evolution happened and why did you choose to stay in the family business? That's a good question. I guess I never really thought about doing anything else. I mean, there was maybe a tiny part of my life where I was like, I want to be a doctor or what, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I did it for the most part. If I can remember back, I always just knew this was what I was going to do. So I kind of started actually right out of high school. I didn't go to college. I started working for my parents right away. And that was kind of so like for the first year, I remember kind of I was teaching, but I didn't really feel like I fully had a place at the office either. And it kind of slowly just happened. And that's when I started getting trained in the pattern making um, because we realized we needed this new software because originally our patterns for our costumes were all made by hand. So they were like hand cutting out these patterns and making the adjustments. And it was so time consuming. So we realized our company was to a point where we needed to get software for it. So when we decided to invest in the software, my dad was like, well, you don't really have a big role yet in the company. So why don't you learn how to do this software and learn how to pattern make? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't really know how to do that at all, but I will try. So that's when we, the software company actually, actually put us in touch with the lady that ended up being my teacher and she was amazing. And so that's kind of how I snowballed into that. And then I've slowly just, I've always kind of helped my mom with training of our other instructors. So that's kind of a big part of what I do is developing stuff for our other programs. And then I teach obviously as well every day here um, at our local studio. So I do that. And then, then camps, I kind of started doing that right out of high school. I teach at camps all summer and that's a big part of what I do. So it kind of just all just kept going. <laughs> So, Holly, you did some really cool things with uh, Super Bowl, uh, dancing with uh, Black Eyed Peas, dancing with uh, Katy Perry. So talk to us how it all came around and what a great opportunity to perform again, even with Beyonce. Yeah. So how that actually happened is um, KP, Kristen Patterson Terry, who she started, um, my mom met her when she was super young and she worked on our camp staff. So quite a few years ago. Um, and she became kind of like a big wig in the production world. So she, she does so many different things. She does like the Emmys, the Oscars. Um, she did something, I can't remember with high school musical. Uh, she was Justin Bieber's tour. She, I like her list goes on of what she has done. She's incredible. And she does the halftimes of the Super Bowl. So she had actually reached out to us in 2011, which is black eyed peas year and said, I am wanting to see if you guys can make some costumes for us. So if you remember from that Super Bowl halftime, it was the light up costumes. It was such an ordeal. So it was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done, but like working with people also was really challenging because they were like, the requests they were having were so high and something I had never really done before. And I, I mean, I had been patterning for probably two or three years at that point. So it was like sewing tiny strips of Velcro along the whole thing for the lights to be able to connect to. And then they would, I would send ship it to them and then they'd ship it back with their changes. And it was just super cool when we did that. So 
we got into making the costumes and then KP had said to my mom and I, would you guys ever want to come down to the Super Bowl and watch the halftime show and, and just kind of see it in action? And we were like, uh, yeah, of course we would. That'd be so cool. So we went down and she let us come to a rehearsal and we were watching and I was literally like, oh, I wish I could be dancing in this. It'd be so cool. Just kind of saying that to my mom. And then we had gone back to the hotel and she called us the next morning and she was like, there's no way Allie would ever want to dance in the halftime. Is there? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, of course I would. This would be so awesome. So I had missed like two weeks of the training that these dancers had had already. And I went to one of the practices with the choreographer Fatima who was super interesting to take class from. And it was, it was a really cool experience. I was super nervous. I had learned the dance from a video really fast. And so these guys had all had two, two weeks of practice. So I was so stressed going in and I got to go in and rehearse and I ended up being on stage. I don't know if you would remember this because it was so long ago now, but they had like a light up stage and then we had wear big cubes on our heads. It was very interesting to dance in. Um, but we were in like light up costumes with light up cubes on our head. And we were on, I got to be on the stage for that, which was super cool. And then two years later, she asked us to be a part of the costumes for the Beyonce halftime Super Bowl. So we came back for that. And actually me and my friend, she asked us if we wanted to dance in that as well. So that was even a cooler experience dancing with Beyonce, obviously. It was like such an amazing thing. And her dancers were all so phenomenal as well that came with her. And so we got to be on stage for that. And we made the, the part of the costume we made, you didn't even see it was the leotard that like went underneath the jackets that all the girls were wearing. So then we got to go down and it was like a lot of training. So most of the dancers are local and we got to come from Minnesota for it. And we stayed for, I think, 14 days and had rehearsals like every other day for that. And that was really cool. And then I actually, after that experience, KP asked if I wanted to be on her staff. So instead of dancing, I was helping with the halftime. So I did that. Katy Perry, Super Bowl, and Coldplay. I feel like there was possibly, oh, Justin Timberlake. Those three Super Bowls I worked on as well, which was super cool. And just seeing that side of it and how it all comes together. Like you just have no idea when you're watching it on TV how much work goes into what the little details that happen so fast. It's just insane. And KP is amazing at what she does and she has a staff of like 30 to 40 people under her and we're just all kind of there doing what she needs us to do and on the field and she charts it all out and it's just amazing. It uh, reminds me of pretty much any dance production, right? What we see on stage, what, what the audience sees on stage is the tip of an iceberg of everything that's happening behind that. Exactly, exactly. Can you share with us maybe a, an example of um, when things didn't go as well or a failure or rejection and what you learned from that? Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, I just have one that I'm thinking of right now. So we had actually gotten contacted one time. My mom, I don't remember who it was, reached somebody from America's Got Talent, reached out to her and said, we found your high school team on YouTube. We want you guys to try out for America's Got Talent. And she was like, oh, I can't do it right now because we're outside of dance team season. We won't be allowed to. And they're like, well, can you please just put a group of whatever so many kids together? I can't remember how many she even they let us have. So she was like, sure, we'll just do this. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do this, but OK. So we put together a group of 12 people. Then like getting the approval for music was so insane. Like they we only had a certain list of music that we could use. And then I would edit it and send it to them. And they're like, we can't use this because of this. So. By the day we finally got our music approved by whoever was approving it from America's Got Talent, we only had a week till we left to go audition in Chicago. And they let us skip one audition and come 
because they called us, I think, and come to just this audition, which it was like a fully paid trip. It was super fun. But we had, so I whipped together 12 of my best dancers and I was dancing in it as well. And we practiced once. I don't think we practiced with our whole group together ever (laughs) until we were in Chicago. So we had two rehearsals where the first one we choreographed and put the number together. And then the second rehearsal, we just like tried to clean the dance and practice it as much as we could. And then the next day we left for Chicago. So it was like super quick and we got there. We finally were getting to practice all together and it was like really fun, but it was such a crazy thing to be a part of because so much of it was like, we need you to come be in the background of the shot and, and do this now. And we were like, we just really want to practice, like actually practice because we had to perform in front of, I think the audience had 2000 people or whatever, you know? So we get out on stage and I think we were first of the entire day. And, you know, on America's Got Talent, they sit and buzz you if they don't like it. And so we got buzzed by one person like halfway through the dance and it was tiring. So we were like, crap. And so then we kept going and we finished and they kind of ripped us apart. Like it was all the judges kind of just didn't say very nice things to us. And I remember standing there and saying to my friend, can we just walk off the stage right now? Can we just walk off? This is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. And they, I think they kind of, you know, it's a TV show. So they're kind of wanting you to like fight back and beg for your spot on like, please let us stay. We'll, we promise we'll do better the next time. And we kind of all were like, okay, thank you. Thank you. And then we kind of walked off the stage and it was so embarrassing. Ali, uh, you danced your whole life and you chose the career that is not a performer or a member of the professional dance company. And I think naturally that's what a lot of dancers aspire to be as they're taking classes. But you're building a very, very successful career in the field of dance, in the world of dance, but not as a dancer, even though you still could be in the company if you chose to do it. Um, Talk to our audience of the different career options. You talked about pattern making. You talked about choreography, about a teacher, about, um, you know, school trainer. And, you know, eventually I can see you running the organization. So what options are available and how to keep the broad horizons as a, you know, as a teenager who's thinking, who do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's so awesome about my job is I am incorporating what I love to do and I love dancing. And I definitely wanted to do the professional route. Like I, and still that's something that maybe I'll regret someday that I didn't move somewhere and try to do more because even the couple experiences I had with Super Bowl and those different things were so fun. And I really, really loved it. However, I also love teaching and working with teachers and training and all the different other sides of it that I get to do while still kind of maintaining somewhat of a normal life, I guess, where I feel like a lot of times dancers that perform professionally and different things like that. It is a, it is a harder career path. Um, but it's still awesome. It's super cool in just a different way. So I just think your, your career as a dancer doesn't have to be over if you don't dance professionally. And that's where I feel like a lot of people kind of like you were saying, do feel that way because that's what they're aspiring to be. But there are so many different options. And I know, so one of my former dancers is actually the new, our new pattern maker and designer. And so she's designing costumes and she kind of took that role over for us as well. Um, And we even have past dancers in here working in accounting and doing different things where they're still kind of involved in the dance world, but now just in a different way and not necessarily dancing or having anything to do with that. And I feel like it's a really rewarding job. I love 
I love teaching and seeing younger dancers light up and, and learn things that I remember learning and how hard it was to learn. And that's why I think I kind of love teaching over performing myself because I love seeing that. And I love kids and working with them and seeing them get things. And, you know, I think there are so many different options. I'm trying to think of other things that I know people. Social media and marketing for oh, yeah. them. One of our um, past dancers is supposed to be coming to work for us pretty soon to work on our social media because as a dance company, you kind of need somebody that knows dance to run your social media. So that is another great one for sure. Yeah, there's so many different paths that you can take. Photography, I feel like being a dance photographer, I think is huge because even sometimes we'll be at photo shoots and I'm like, can I just take the picture because I know when to snap it because I know when they're going to hit their jump, you know? So I think as a dancer, you might be even better at doing dance photography than a general photographer because you know when things are happening. Yeah. Ali, where do you see the role of women leaders in the world of arts and dance? Um, we see so many young girls who are starting dance classes, but when it comes to leadership position in the arts, we unfortunately see very few women who get promoted um, or make it to the top. So why do you think it's happening and what can we do as industry leaders on promoting more women in the arts? I just feel like, I mean, our company is so different because my mom, I feel like is the one that did start it and did push her way to being this huge leader. And I think so much of that is confidence and risk taking. And I feel like a lot of women are scared to take the risks. So I think continuing to be risk takers and going for what you want to do. And I think my mom is a great example of that for me growing up that she has kind of just taken charge of what she wants to do and has done it. And I think you know, we need to keep continuing to mold these younger dancers and younger children in general to want to be leaders and grow up and do what they want to do and become what they want to become. Raising up future leaders takes strong role models and mentors. Can you share with us who have been your role models and mentors? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously my mom, I feel like I've talked about her a lot. She's been a huge role model for me. Um, trying to think of some other people. I mean, KP, the one I was telling you about, Kristen, I think is such a great role model for anybody because she's done so many incredible things. And even just watching her work was so amazing that she's very calm and just knows what she's doing and really good at directing. And so she was a really, really great role model. I have so many, I feel like that I can think of my former coach, Carrie was a really awesome role model for me. One of my biggest role models too is actually my best friend, which is kind of weird, but she is a few years older than me and she has taught me so much dance wise. Um, and just, she was a very big inspiration for me as a teacher. She was my teacher first before we became such good friends. And she danced in New York for five or six years, I think before she moved to Minnesota and she actually worked in our um, office here and then taught at our studio for three or four years. And now she runs a uh, just for kicks program down in Florida where she lives, but she was a huge inspiration to me and brought a lot of different, um, styles to me that I had not ever tried before. So that was super cool. And I feel like I learned so much from her. That's incredible. I'm glad you said you had more than one because I've, I have I learned over the years is that we learn different things from different people and, um, you know, we need more than one coach. We need more than one role model. For sure. I totally agree. I'm like, I know there's more that I'm just not thinking of right now, but yeah, you can learn so many different things. I feel like even, you know, when I got onto camp staff, 
my, my first year on staff, I feel like I learned so much just from my coworkers and the other dancers that came from different places. And that was inspiring. And, you know, even though a lot of them are my same age, you can still look at them as role models. So it's interesting that you said that, you know, your best friend who is just a couple of years older became your role model, but you also learn from each other. So how and where do you think those learning opportunities are and how to be open-minded? Because, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a formal teacher who teaches us things. I think just, you know, exposing yourself to as much as you possibly can and exposing yourself to as many people as you can. And I think, you know, like I look at, um, Adina, who's my friend that I'm talking about and, what I feel like I learned from her was taking her class and seeing how she teaches and how she words things. And, you know, another thing that I think is awesome is that when you maybe have an experience where you get to teach and you maybe have a friend or somebody with you, ask people for feedback. I think the more that you can ask for feedback and say, what did you think I could do better? I know that's something my mom and I constantly do for each other. Um, we'll get done doing a podcast together and she'll go, I think you were talking a little too fast or you maybe went over this too quickly or whatever, you know, we kind of give each other feedback all the time. So it's a constant learning experience. So I think asking for that feedback, I know that's something we always say about one of our other coworkers that she'd get done and she'd go, how did I do? What do I need to do better? And you're just opening it up for somebody to say, well, I think you could do A, B and C better, but you did this really great. And I think the more that you want that feedback, the stronger you're going to become. Let's talk about the competition world. I think we now see a lot of dance competitions. A lot of kids like doing them. Some teachers prefer, some not. Um, talk to me about, um, you know, kind of the current, um, I think, culture that we have with a lot of trophies and a lot of rewards and a lot of awards. And uh, even a recent book that came out is how to win without an award of, um, you know, how to be successful. And doesn't mean that you always take a award home and, but it doesn't, and the trophy home, but it doesn't mean that you failed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love competition, but I also love performing without competition too. I kind of am a advocate of both. I think they're both great in their own way. I personally feel like competition is what motivates my dancers. And I think if we only performed throughout the year, I don't think they would have the same drive that they have when they know they have to compete. And I think that's good. I think it's good to have that a little bit of that competitive aspect to it. And I think it's, it's what challenges kids to want to be better and, or just, you know, yeah, children in general, whether it's in any sport that you're in, I think the competition aspect of it is what motivates. I know my, my little niece, um, she's no longer in dance, but she, she's been in dance all the way through sixth grade. And, um, I know we always would kind of giggle with her that, she would kind of be my kid that wasn't always super focused during class. And then we would get to like competition week and she'd be like, Hey, can you watch me on this? Hey, can you do like, she was so into everything and she would get at competition and she was so fierce. And I'm like, Cora just needs a competition every week. <laughs> and then she is so motivated. Like that's what really drove her to want to be great. And I think that's super cool to see with kids. And so I love that side of competition. And I think it's good for kids to not always win. Personally, I know, some people all want that, but I, I'm fine with my kids. You know, I think it's good for them to learn how to be humble when they win and how to be, you know, a good sport when they don't win. And I think it's great. And, you know, we really work on that with our students of like, 
Now make sure you go say congratulations to the team that did win, but also being okay with being disappointed in yourself too and going, okay, what can I do to go back and get better and get stronger? And I, I don't feel that everyone needs an award for everything. I feel like it's okay to have, feel like, okay, I got to go back and work harder now. That team was better than us today. How are we going to get better? You know? Very true. Because um, competition in life, you know, is everywhere, right? There's only one job opening for a position. It could be hundreds of applicants, if not more. And you know what? Just because you send the resume or even went for first and second and third interview and you didn't get it, you're not going to take a trophy home. Right, you you were not the one who was selected for that position, or there is only one contract that the client is going to award only to one company. So yes, the competition is um, ahead of us in all careers. Um, so if we can learn it in dance as youth, that's only benefit. For sure, I think it even you know within your own studio when it comes to your auditions and you know, we've been kind of dealing with that this week because we just had our auditions last week from like age six or seven up, you know, and that's hard. It's a hard pill for a six-year-old or a seven-year-old to swallow when they don't make the team they want to, or even an 11 or 12-year-old. But I do think it's a learning experience for them to go, okay, I didn't hit where I want to hit. What am I going to do to get there? Rather than just being like, everybody's on the A team, you know, then it's not as big of a deal when you are there. So I think competition is great no matter where it is, because it's true. It is everywhere you go in life. My niece was concerned that as they go to competition, uh, to audition for the uh, volleyball team, her best friend might will most likely not make that level and they will not be in the same camp. Yeah. <laughs> and then my niece didn't make that level and her girlfriend did. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that was a reality check. And she was oh, I'm sure. so shocked. But you know what? You need to have those experiences where you think you're going to be the ahead one. And then you realize not only you didn't make it to the high level, your girlfriend did and you're behind. It is true. And you know, those experiences, as hard as they are at the time, I feel like can be the life changing or the pivotal moments that happen for you that change the person that you're going to become or make you the better dancer or make you the better volleyball player or whatever it might be that you kind of sometimes need those. If you always get everything super easy, I know I worry about my dancers sometimes too, that are always kind of the best. And no matter what, you know, I want to challenge them too to have that feeling a little bit of failure because you do need to have that feeling because if you've never failed, it's going to be really scary when you do someday. Well, it's easier to learn to fail when you're a teenager or a child mm -hmm. than get hit really hard when in your 20s or 30s or 40s because <laughs> there's no immune system for failure by that point. Exactly. Ali, in conclusion of our interview, what advice do you have for young aspiring dancers who are choosing their path and their career in the world of dance? What to think about, what experiences to create, and um, what, um, what, kind of, what to envision for themselves? I just think set your, set your goals big, you know, look at the big picture of what you want as you get older and don't settle. And I think it all comes back to hard work. And that's my biggest advice to any dancers. I, out of all my students, my kids that push and work hard and are fierce and attack are like my favorite kind of student because I love kids that'll work for it. And you know, you see so many dancers or people in general that have such talent, but don't have the work ethic. So if you can have that work ethic, no matter what your talent is, you can get to where you want to get 
if you work hard for it. And it's that cliche saying, but it's my favorite hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think it's so true because you see so many kids waste their talent because they don't have that work ethic. So work your butt off and do it all the time and just go for it. Because I have seen so many kids that maybe don't have the natural ability and they have just shocked me because they have that drive and that work ethic. So work hard for what you want and you'll surprise yourself. I love that. Work hard for what you love and you will surprise yourself. Ali, what is next for you as one of the leaders in the Just for Kicks and for your organization in general? Well, we're hoping that we'll have competitions this year, so that'll be huge. Um, we're just about to gear up right now for our studio season starting. So I think for us, you know, it's continuing to educate our staff and all of our directors, and I want to be more involved with them, and I think that's super fun and just continue to teach and grow dancers and hopefully we'll be back in person for camps next year and have our Outback Bowl next year since we don't get it this year and be kind of back to normal. Wonderful. Well, I am wishing your entire family and the staff and all the parents and dancers terrific year, success, prosperity, happiness, and work hard for what you set your eyes on because you will all surprise yourself. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being here on our podcast. And um, how can our audience learn more about your organization? Um, you can go to justforkicks.com. We have a lot of information there. Um, you can follow our podcast, Anything But Routine. And we also have a YouTube channel for that. Um, we have our catalog you can check out. So those would all be awesome spots. Or follow us um, on our Instagram, which is at official Just for Kicks. And then our Just for Kicks Facebook. And then you could follow my Instagram too if you'd like to. And that's A-S-C-L-O-U-G-H. And that's C-L-O-U-G-H. Wonderful. Thank you, Ali. And wishing you continued success and keep on dancing. Thank you. You too. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of 5678, the podcast for people on the move. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Keep the conversation going by following the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at 5678. I would love to hear what you found inspiring during the interviews. Please leave a comment and share your ideas. It means so, so, so much to me. I take time to read through the comments. That's my inspiration for future episodes. Also, check out our website at 5678.com for the show notes, takeaways, and more. And as always, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please leave us a five-star review at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you hear your podcasts. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. And until then, keep moving.